Welcome to selfdiscoverymedia.com, where the Orchard of Wisdom shows are at your fingertips. It ignites your soul, your heart, your spirit, your mind, and your body with illumination from people who have made the journey before you. They're here now to help you on your journey, on your path of self-discovery. We are funded by you, the audience, and the people we interview. If you wish to support us, please go to selfdiscoverymedia.com and press on our Fund Action button. Anything is appreciated. We'd like you to sit back and enjoy the shows. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters, right here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Kenny Chu. We're going to be talking a lot today about the inconvenient Asian minority. He says the inconvenient, inconvenient majority, the attack on the Asian American excellence and the fight for mediocrity. From a journalistic on the front lines to the students of the fair admission at Harvard, some cases, uh, some comes a probing examination of affirmative action the false narrative of American mediocrity and the attack on the Asian American excellence with its far-reaching implications from uh, CD test prep centers to gleaming gifted and talented magnetic schools to top colleges and elite businesses, media and political positions across America. The Asian American minority transcending its impoverished history has quietly assumed mastery of the nation's technical and intellectual machinery and become essential to the workforce that makes modern life, American life possible. Yet they are being forced to do the in the face of policy uh, proposals written in the name of diversity that serve to exclude them from the upper ranks of the elite. So Kenny has um, written this beautiful book, The Inconvenient Minority. We're going to be talking about that today. And you know, it's, um, let's just say, racism is alive and well. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. Uh, there seems to be that if you're different, then therefore you're wrong. Uh, we've looked at, um, I'm here in Canada, so we have an enormous amount of Asian um, uh, people here. And there's been a lot of attacks on them lately. And they're always considered the smarty pants. And it's just, the labeling has to stop, doesn't it? We have to look at people for, um, being colorblind, as you put, a wonderful organization that you've got there. And we can respect people's culture, we can respect people's skin color, but we really need to look at people for what they contribute to um, what they give to the world and stop labeling them or categorizing them or reducing them to something because we have a stigma about it. Welcome to the show, Kenny. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being on. Um, you know, it, it's a tough one um, because we are looking at the technology world as being kind of an Asian market because of the brilliance behind it. Um, but there is still that inequality in everything else in life, uh, you know, in the workforce or, um, as you said, in the upper elite, being up in the higher positions as the CEOs, etc. Where have you found that pushback or that stigma yourself? Well, I think you find it in the places that claim to be most tolerant and inclusive sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, the anti-Asian discrimination at Harvard comes from administrators who consider themselves progressive, enlightened thinkers, 
Uh, they consider themselves on the right side of history. Um, and they very much um, want a student body that they think reflects their view of what is aesthetically pleasing about um, Harvard, which is they would want a student body that is 15% Black and 15% Hispanic and 15% Asian. And, you know, that has a whole blend of colors and a quilt of multicolored people holding hands. Um, but uh, in order to do that, in order to make that quilt of um, multicolored diversity, they actually have to discriminate against highly qualified Asians because whatever your thoughts about it, Asians do are more academically excellent on average. Um, they should be. Uh, they deserve to be uh, put into these. They, they deserve to reap the fruits of their academic efforts. They study twice as many hours as the average American. Um, it's not because they're innately more intelligent. It is just because of hard work. So they should be entitled to be able to um, go to the schools that they wish on the basis of merit. Um, and so this is what this Harvard discrimination case that I cover within my book, An Inconvenient Minority, is all about. Okay. I don't care who you are, where you come from, um, um, whether you're from a different planet. If you have the ability, that should be supported. If, if you, if it should be on the merit and there shouldn't be any form of stigma. And if a, a certain population has decided to work extremely hard to get where they're going, why are we discriminating them? Why are we not really applauding them? And I don't, I mean, I know it's all very nice that, you know, 15% here, 15% there, and they're trying to kind of um, paint the rainbow colors of equality, but you can't keep out excellence where excellence is due and when we see an awful lot of people I mean Harvard might be a little different but going into colleges just because they just want to have a college degree or they really want a party you know they're not really kind of into the learning and you've got other people who really take it seriously and look upon it as that career opportunity they really want to learn they really want to apply and we should be applauding the student that gives it all no matter who they are not discriminate uh, from that and you know, I would love to see politics to be out of education altogether, because the moment politics comes into something, it screws it up completely. Um, how have you found that discrimination towards yourself? I think, um, you know, me and my friends, you know, I'm Asian American, my friends, when we were applying for top colleges and everything like that, um, we were always advised to not include our race. Um, really? We were, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Our college counselors and college counselors still do that, by the way. They still advise Asian Americans not to include your race. Now, if you were black, they would advise you absolutely put your put that you're black, put that you're Latino. So, I mean, just think about like how that the effects of that on a person's self-identity. Mm -hmm. Now, now people are even instructing you to not put down the thing that you can't change about yourself, right. that you should be able to feel proud of. Yeah. And a lot of my friends and I who are high achieving students did not feel proud of the fact that we were Asian. So it was very sad um, the way that 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 works, but it has some serious consequences. 
Mm. I mean, you know, this used to be the discrimination against black people, right? And now it's, mm -hmm. it's now towards the Asian people. When are we going to get over the fact that we are all different? You know, like Forrest Gump says, we're like a box of chocolates. Each chocolate is different. And, but, you know, together we make that box delicious. And, you know, when are we going to stop discriminating instead of applauding and encouraging? And as I said, anytime politics comes into anything, it just completely disrupts it and takes away any of the meaning. And you have every right to say, um, this is who I am. This is the beautiful vessel that I'm in. This is my culture. It shouldn't have anything to do with my, my contribution, my abilities, my brain power. And to hide your identity, I mean, on the application, they're going to know it's you when you get there. <laughs> so now what? They're going to say, oh, no, you're Asian. You have to go. Or we're going to put you in a different category. I mean, does it become a shock to somebody all of a sudden that you're Asian and not something else? Oh, well, look, you were advised to not put down the fact that you're Asian. But what I know from my journalism with an inconvenient minority is that it doesn't really matter. Harvard still knows that you're Asian. It doesn't matter if you put it down or not. They can take one look at your name if they don't. They can take a look at all of their various data mining services that they have to know exactly who you are. So you can't hide from it, which is the worst part about it. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't matter what you do. They are going to treat you differently because you're Asian. Um, um, and it doesn't help you. Um, so it's a bad thing. It really is a bad thing about society, uh, about especially the way elite society views these people. Because now they're viewing these people not as individuals mm -hmm. who have talents and aptitudes, but they're viewing these people as little um, bricks in a racial cog machine that they need right. to fit in in an acceptable way. Now, for a long time, it was if you were a person of color, if you were black, you were considered, you know, too dumb to go to school or, or you know, be educated and that nobody could ever aspire to that because they're just the intelligence wasn't there, which, again, was a lovely white wash that was going over. Um, and now the attack is on on the Asians. Do you think they fear the the intelligence? Do they feel you're going to take over? I mean, what is what really is the issue? You would think that for their school's position, having people of such intelligence there, you know, achieving so much would be a good reputation for the school. What really is the fear? Yes and yes, they do fear Asian intelligence. Um, they fear the fact that if their school becomes 43% Asian, which is what Harvard would be if they didn't discriminate against Asian Americans, if they fear the fact that if the school becomes 43% Asian, that people are not going to think that that's sexy or people are going to think that that's aesthetically unpleasing. You know, the fact that Asians could be viewed in such a way is um, horrible, but that's how they view it. That's how a lot of the alumni um, view it. That's how a lot of the progressive administrators view it. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing is that the other thing that you mentioned is also absolutely correct, which is, um, they view, um, they are afraid of, um, of, of what it would say about America if they truly treated people on the basis of merit. Because if they truly, truly treated people on the basis of academic merit, what you will see is that there are differences at the top, racial differences at the top. And it has nothing to do with race, mm -hmm. but it's just the fact that certain cultures have chosen to study harder to study more um and they should be rewarded for it but they're not 
how much of the pandemic has come into this equation? Because right now, you know, obviously anybody Asian is the enemy because you brought COVID around, which don't get me going on that. Um, you know, here the attacks on the Asian people have been because of that go back to China. Many, many people here are second, third generation. Um, that ignorance and that rhetoric that's been constantly put out. Um, do you feel that at, that has any equation to do? We don't want to be seen having too many Asians because people are against Asian people right now. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the whole, uh, the people who are attacking Asian Americans on the streets are different from the people who are attacking Asian Americans in admissions um, or in hiring or promotion. Um, you know, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, some Asians have been called Kung Flu or something mm -hmm. like that. You know, but, uh, you know, there is, um, look, there's, there's racism on, on, from, from every race against every other race. Yeah. There's Asians racist against blacks. There's blacks racist against Asians. There's whites racist against both. There's blacks racist against whites. So, I mean, there's definitely racism still exists. Um, but you're, but the, the, the crazy part of the Harvard case mm -hmm which is an inconvenient minority, is that this is racism that is perpetuated by people who consider themselves enlightened people. Right. People who consider themselves intellectually superior people. And yet they're engaging in the same rank racism that um, they're supposed to be condemning. America is the country of, of immigrants, same as Canada, and, you know, New Zealand and Australia and South Africa. Uh, immigrants made the countries um, and it was always you know come one come all build this country but it seems to have been uh, oh no no this is a you know a white country we want to keep that as the majority and we want to make sure that no other particular race has any form of supremacy anywhere along the line do you think that is actually kind of a valid well not a valid fear it's never a valid fear but a fear that is is being perpetuated of as a fear of any one particular race kind of taking over wanting to keep it more white no um i don't i think that we've largely moved past that um i, I don't i won't say I, largely maybe mediocrity no i would i would say i would say largely i you think would? the majority of americans truly are colorblind people they yeah. really only just care about whether you are a good person whether you're loving you're mm -hmm. caring you're kind uh, I think 96, I mean, 96% of Americans, according to Washington Post poll, said that they would be fine if they lived next to a neighbor of a different race. 91% of Americans said that they would be fine if their daughter married somebody of a different race. I think the majority of Americans are, are actually quite tolerant and loving people. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to defend that. So what we're seeing is the propaganda. We're seeing the minority screaming out loud, and they're the ones that are getting the airtime. Uh, yeah, than, yeah, yeah. We're seeing an ideological minority who has an ideological goal, gain power over elite institutions, and use that to push a certain narrative that does not represent reality. So again, I go back to I don't understand why, in a school that really wants to have a great record of excellence, you know, why they are suppressing the excellence from being there. What really is the common denominator fear here if there is 43% Asian people that are studying there and they're reaching the top? What really is the fear? 
what really is the fear? Um, well, I think I've explained it to you pretty well. Well, um, yeah, they well, want everybody cookie cutter, you know, and let everybody have equal, they, they, equal chance. They fear, they, no, well, I mean, they fear that if Asians overrun the population, you know, that it would look bad. It would look bad. But That's what whom? they fear. Whom does it look bad to? To them, to their friends, to their, um, to their donor class, um, that uh, Asians aren't sexy, that they would be worried that people would look at this Harvard body and they would say, well, you guys are just importing, you know, kids who are test taking robots with no personality. It's an aesthetic fear. It's an aesthetic fear. But where does it stem from? Like, what do you mean, where does it stem from? For people to have that kind of fear and for it to be so dictatorial that, you know, has caused you actually to bring a case against Harvard, Harvard this fear had to start somewhere. I, I don't know. Rooted. I mean, human nature, humans are tribal. We're, we're mm. tribal species. I mean, this is human nature. I mean, this is not the first time that people have been afraid of foreigners um, mm. or foreign looking people um, coming into their coming into their eighth kingdom. You know, uh, you know, this has happened throughout history. Um, you know, um, doesn't matter if, doesn't even matter sometimes if you're the same color as the other person, you know, if you're in a foreigner and you're in a Zulu tribe in South Africa and another, and then there's another tribe, you know, 10 miles down the street who comes into your camp, you're going to be suspicious of them. So I think that's what's happening. It's human nature. Yeah, but human nature needs to change, doesn't it? Um, which I think actually on a global scale, human nature does need to change. We're working very much on an old program of I've got to protect my tribe. You know, these people are coming to get everything I've got. And, uh, you know, it's a, a kind of systemic ancestral type fear that's inbred in every single one of us. And at some point we have to look at reasoning and we have to look at um, we need excellence in the world. We know that technology is taking you know, not, I, well, it is taking over, but we have to always make sure that technology is in harmony with humanity. But when we, what we look at what we are needing in the world to change the world, our, our environment, climate change, the way we conduct business, the innovations that we're needing to survive, you know, the next um, hundred years, we need that intelligence. We need people who are creative. We need people who are willing to put the work and the time in. And, you know, the scientific world seems to understand this, but um, it's kind of the cutting their nose off to spite their face. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. What, what my book, An Inconvenient Minority, is really trying to say, it's about competence, right? Mm -hmm. It's about, we need to return to a society that values competence. Yeah. We're, 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 just, we're descending into a society that values so many other things that are irrelevant from the standpoint of competence. Um, your race, your religion, your sexuality, your, your national origin, those kinds of things. And, you know, there are legitimate fears about national origin, for example, but most of them are illegitimate. And I think that, you know, we need to move past that. We need to evaluate a person on the basis of what they can contribute. Right not on the basis of their background. Right. Um, as I said, we are needing the excellence out there in the world right now. Um, you know, the other thing that gets in the way is the economic um, structure, you know, of scholarships. Are these scholarships going 
to the Asian minority or are they being blocked from them because they're trying to keep the numbers down? Yeah, um, they're definitely, Asians are definitely being blocked from accessing scholarships right now. I think the new trend among American universities is to give scholarships specifically to BIPOC people, B-I-P-O-C, Black Indigenous people mm -hmm. of color. Notice what is a uh, notice what is excluded from BIPOC mm -hmm. Asians yeah. Asians are excluded from BIPOC um, and the reason why is because these people think that Asians are a privileged race because right. we're too no, successful in America yeah but the reason right. why we're successful in America is not because we're privileged and in fact our parents came here with no money mm -hmm. no connections no generational wealth mm -hmm. but it's because they worked really hard and they taught people like me to work really hard um and so it's not privilege at all it's hard work yeah um so uh this these bipoc scholarships are given out only to people of certain races they're not giving out to, to asian americans so yeah asians are being excluded from these scholarships um that they deserve yeah uh, where's the equality in that right you know they're trying to have this facade that we're we are uh, making sure that we represent everyone but yeah. don't look at the fact that we're not representing them. And right. you, know, you can't preach equality. You, you, know, you can't preach that you're there for everybody. You know, just bring, bring your excellence. We're there for you. And then openly and brazenly exclude a certain demographic. You just can't do that. Um, mm -hmm. I get away with it. You know? And the thing is, is, why are they getting away with it? And it takes people like yourself to stand up and go, no. No, you know, I have the right to be there. Um, right. And, you know, it shouldn't be the numbers quotation on which race you are and how many people are allowed to be there or denying somebody, the, uh, somebody who's absolutely brilliant. It could be the next cure for this or that. Um, and they're denied the scholarship purely based on their race. Um, it used to be, obviously, you know, black people were excluded, excluded, excluded. And now it's like, oh no, politically incorrect to do that. So now, well, let's go after the Asians. Nobody's going to notice that. And yeah, <laughs> it's being noticed right. and it Guess has what? to change. Noticed. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. And until somebody raises the voice, until people raise voices and awareness, things don't change. So this has mm -hmm. forced you to be that change, to bring about that discrimination, right? Mm -hmm. And that inequality and that although commendable that you are including all the other demographics but you can't exclude one race you know mm -hmm. and i hope that you nobody notices right right unfortunately in harvard's system if you want to include members of another race you have to exclude another race because it's a zero-sum game um so this is why you know i don't think you should have race in admissions i don't think you should use race mm -hmm. yeah i mean basically it should go on merit you know, um, yes. are your scores there? Mm -hmm. right? are or are you they, competent? Do you have you, you shown competence? It doesn't have to be just your scores, right? But you know, your teacher recommendations, your extracurricular recommendations, everything like that. The 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 quality of your personal essay. Um, you shouldn't get bonus points for irrelevant things. Right, and the whole thing about Asian people are droll or dry and don't have a personality. Um, I was uh, married for 21 years to an Asian gentleman who is extremely gregarious, <laughs> very, very forthcoming. And so were all the family. Um, 
you know, he had one brother who was a doctor who was very serious. And no, he didn't have a sense of humor, but everybody else did. And it's like, again, what? What are you saying? You know, that just because they're Asian, it's all about work and seriousness and they don't have a personality and they're not capable of running a company or, or being successful because they don't have that personality persona for it. Who came up with that one? Yeah, um, probably it was used as a way. I mean, um, you know, people have said in the past to people working at Amazon or Intel, for example, mm -hmm. that some Asian Americans don't have the leadership characteristics to manage this company or something or be in an, in an executive role. Um, some Asians have confided to me their anxieties about that. Now, it doesn't mean that those anxieties are true. It could also just mean they're a bad worker or maybe they are a bad leader. Mm -hmm. But one thing's for sure, you know, when you get up to the top level of executive hierarchies and people are jostling for those small number of positions, People are going to use everything that they can find against you. Yeah, that's just what it is. Um, it's a, it is a game at the top. It's a scrabble, and uh, it's it's a scramble. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. And if people are able to play on stereotypes about you, then um, that's what they can do. And that's by the way what Harvard admissions officers do. They play off of stereotypes about Asians. They actually rate Asians lowest in the personality score. Really? They rate, yeah, they rate people in three things, academics, extracurriculars, and personality. And Asians get rated lowest on personality, even though Asians actually score highest on teacher recommendations and they score highest on counselor recommendations. They also score highest on alumni interviews. So there's no objective basis for having a low personality, but they do it anyway because they understand that they can get away with it. Right. Well, no more. You can't get away with it anymore. Yeah. They've made it their excuse and valid excuses in their books. Uh, and that's just a cover up for kind of just blocking that entry. Um, you know, you look at Japan, you look at China, um, you know, world leaders, world leaders there that, you know, in, in many, many areas. And it's like, if they didn't have the personality, you think this was all just robotic, you know, if they didn't have the personality, they wouldn't be running those companies internationally. You know, they wouldn't be at the top of their game. It's, uh, I don't know where the stereotyping has come from. And maybe the main fear I think could be that people are scared that um, Asia is going to take over America. That is something I've heard in the past. And, uh, you are Asian by birth, but you are an American, right? So mm -hmm. if you reach top excellence and you I are... wasn't Asian by birth. No. I was born in America. So you're American Asian. Yes. Okay. So as an American Asian, you are here to represent your country, right? Yeah, so your, which is America. Which is America. And the more excellence that you achieve, the more it benefits the country. Yes, that's the idea. <laughs> right. So I think that's why people want excellent people in this country. Presumably, right. it helps their country. Exactly. I mean, look at Elon Musk and all that he's achieved. You know, he was an, an immigrant. Look at what he has done and, and achieved because he, mm -hmm. he had innovation. He had due diligence. He went for it. He, he did have the charisma. He knew where to put the money. Um, where other than a certain party, which we won't mention, uh, condemning him. You know, it is, we're all benefiting from it. So why can't we not look at how you, in what you're doing, and how you're going to contribute to society, how people are going to benefit from it, 
and look at supporting that instead of blocking just because of the sheer numbers of, of fear or suppression. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, it, we, we should be looking fundamentally at the content of your character, not the color of your skin. Um, a certain gentleman said that. I don't know. I, don't, I forget who. Uh, <laughs> actually, I haven't. It's Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and what he articulated there was a vision for American society that we need to become. Um, and it is policies like Harvard that is standing in the way. It really is standing in the way. We have made, Sarah, we have made a lot of progress as a country, as America. I know, I know there's still racism. I know there is. But we've made, this is not 1964 anymore. But they would and like so, it to be. But they would still like policies to be made as if it was 1964 mm -hmm. exactly. and that's what we need to stand against yeah life is fluidity energy is constantly moving we need to go with the flow which means moving forward not moving backwards we learn from the past we learn from in the development of anything there is the first stage the beta you learn from it and you're always looking to to improve upon it uh, and expand its possibilities as to where it can go. The moment you start suppressing that holding back and limiting it, you are stifling that creativity and you are stifling something that could be something that really truly is a solution in the world. This type of behavior needs to stop on all levels, Harvard level, any other level. Um, you have this wonderful site called, is it Colorless World? It's called colorusunited.org. Yeah, and it's my organization. Go right. ahead. And you know, um, you're American, but you're Asian. You know, I'm white British. Um, other people are their own color. That is their culture. That is their skin color. But ultimately, we are all heart, soul, spirit, and intellect. And if we could actually pay attention to who the people are as a character, who they are as a person, what they're contributing, what their beautiful expertise or their gift is in life and and stop worrying so much about the package that we come in and we would actually really be leaps and bounds ahead i think as a humanity we have the capability of really doing some leaps and bounds with technology is serving humanity uh, improving our whole ecological uh, improving many many aspects of of life if we just didn't hold back and again let politics let racism, let fear come in. And it has to be looked at as this is no more. We're not, we're not going back to 64 or 54. We're not going back with any more. However much you protest, however much you put laws into place, it's not going to happen because the people are just too bright, too united, and just not going to stand for it anymore. You can't push them around anymore. So there's a huge pushback right now, isn't there, on that this is just not tolerant. Big pushback right now, big pushback. Um, in America, especially, um, there is a law in California that was about racial preferences. They wanted to include race in your ability to consider a person for employment, it, include race in um, considering people for public contracting and promotions. Um, there was a, it was a proposition that was given to California voters and California voters of every race struck down that population struck down that proposition, 55% to 45%, including majorities of Asians, 
Latinos, black, and uh, not blacks, but major majorities of Asians, Latinos, and whites struck that down that because they know that they don't want favorable treatment on the basis of their race they want to be treated on the basis of their merit right even if it favors them yeah. they don't care we don't live in that kind of country anymore we need to move past it yes yes when you have minds coming together and each one listening to each other we truly and utterly can see how creation and possibilities are, are created